Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to the AEW Dynamite Preview. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dadly Boys of What Culture, Michael Hamlet and Michael Sidgwick, to look ahead to tonight's episode of AEW Dynamite. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review AEW Dynamite and NXT, but also Raw, SmackDown, pay-per-views. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week, complete with a bloody quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by Hamlet and Sidgwick to look ahead to Dynamite tonight. Yet again, copy-paste my notes from last week. Two championship matches tonight, Michael Sidgwick, and a, and a hell of a card to look forward to alongside that. Happy Ricky Starks Day, everyone. Yay! That's what this is. Been crying out for It's just typical, bloody, wonderful AEW this at their best. You cry out for something, and they give you the very best version of that in Ricky Starks versus Hangman Page. No exaggeration to state that all going well with the booking, this could easily headline a show in 2023. Um, Can't wait for this. Should be tremendous. We'll go into details why. But I remember watching last week's show, an awesome experience in itself. But one of my favourite things about Dynamite is that penultimate quarter hour rundown for next week. I get giddy sometimes at just the yet more great AEW stuff to come. And it was just pop, 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 pop. Um, that was probably the best part of an amazing show. That's an exaggeration, but you know what I mean. Happy Ricky Starks Day. It speaks volumes, Hamlet. That, and I don't want to make this a, a comparison with WWE. That the fact they're on separate nights now, I want to just try and talk about them separately because you can enjoy both shows, as we've been saying from the sodding beginning. Um, but it speaks volumes that we were like eh, a bit when we were looking ahead to NXT last night, and that was a pleasant surprise. The show itself. But it speaks volumes that we aren't going to have time, and I haven't even written any notes on Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, or John Moxley, and we've still got so much to get excited and talk about today. Yeah, I mean, isolated, there's quite a lot to like about that um, because it's okay right now, especially with Omega. We've talked a lot about how, like, there's at times where, like, his, his reign has felt a little unfocused. Well, this week it is focused on Rich Swan on an impact pay-per-view. So of all the weeks to pull back on that character in particular, and obviously the characters that spin off him, the Young Bucks, John Moxley and Eddie Kingston, this is the week to do it. But this card is so earned. Like over the short, medium and long term, a dynamite like this is only, is is worked for. You know, this is this is not just great match graphics. I'm completely with Sidgwick. Like I tweeted to the effect of, I want to buy this pay-per-view because I just could not get enough of these match graphics as they just kept coming. It was one thing after another after another. Give me like that like pre-revolution vibe. Um, just, oh, wow, that, oh, wow, that, oh, wow, that. And then you realise when you sort of look at them one by one, which we're going to, some are like 
AEW benefiting from having such a diverse and interesting roster where you can put these two wrestlers together for a television match that's mostly about rankings and we know that there will be stories that feed in and feed out and then some are based on angles that were set up last week some are based on angles that were set up last month it's one like, last it's year last year like it's it's the great it's one of them weeks and like ultimately we're talking this up and who knows how it's actually going to play out but it's one of them weeks that is the reward for the process um trust the process gets thrown out a lot that's often used because you might not like something one week it's right right now before the show has even happened that you can celebrate the process because what they've done is build up immense anticipation for a series of matches and that's what the process is supposed to do understandably we are the go-to place when you want to look ahead to AEW Dynamite but you know go and support AEW as well because they deserve it so go and watch the uh the road too because they've, they've really worked hard on that and if you get chance I don't know where I presume AEW tweeted this out themselves but I'm just going to give a quick nod to uh Andy Murray at Andy H Murray on Twitter who shared QT Marshall's little vignette I don't know whatever you want to call it shoot it, uh, promo on on Billy Gunn because my word, if that doesn't get you into this factory, nightmare factory, whatever it is, I don't know what will. I, I adore that. We haven't even got time to, to really get into that. Maybe we'll talk about it when we talk about QT Marshall versus Billy Gunn. But let's start with the title matches, Sige. And let's start with Hikaru Shida versus Tay Conti. And I mentioned that road too. Brilliantly laid out the way this has been set up. Tay Conti, you know, number one on the rankings and an emotional story for her to get to this title picture too. Indeed. Um this is great. This is absolutely great. Um, it just feels like with AEW that I've taken a recent philosophical change and I've really tried to just take a step back and this might be interpreted as bias or just keep faith in said process. But like every time I feel like I've got a complaint that's simmering away in the background and I can feeling that something I want to be emphasized on this show isn't, I get two of these things answered in awesome fashion on the very next show. One is Ricky Starks, his lack of appearances. And another, it felt throughout the first three months with the various casino matches, tag team battle royales, um, rematches, um, that the ranking system had kind of just fallen by the wayside and it wasn't used as a storyline vehicle. Both of these title matches pay really quite great faith and tribute to the ranking system in the background you've got Britt Baker doing it this is ultimately what makes this promotion matter what makes all of pro wrestling matter which is why WWE sucks as badly as it does right <laughs> now it's meaningless it's meaningless it's meaningless this inversely is just totally meaningful Ty Conti has improved in the ring and it's not just this thread where oh it's great to watch her excel and perform and finally like reach the potential but it's all happening in parallel with her actually mattering these results actually mattering the substance of it going towards a title match um i'll be on the hook for every near fall even if my rational brain doesn't believe there'll be an actual switch um as for the match itself i think this will be really really strong um ikaru shida has got a tremendous record ikaru shida's weird right because i've watched ikaru shida matches against better, more experienced opponents that have not been as high on as Hikaru Shida working and elevating totally inexperienced opponents. Like the Mizunami match at Revolution, I really liked it in the moment. They probably went two minutes too long with the near falls. But something like 
Hikaru Shida versus Penelope Ford from Fighter Fest, Fighter Fest last year. Mm. Incredible, so creative, so well worked. Um, but Baker working Shida in QT Marshall's gym. This is an exaggeration, but not really. Britt Baker seemed to evolve in terms of a worker at a rate of a year over 20 minutes. That's how good that match was. Um, I think this will be great. Ty Conti is perfectly positioned. Anna Jay in QT Marshall's gym as well. Un- unfathomably good match. Um, I think Sheeta is going to be perfectly positioned to get the meaning of the match rather than the result over and that Sheeta will retain, but you will emerge from it thinking that Ty Conti is just actually almost really close to the finished article. Um, yeah, as I said, I'm going to be on the hook for the near falls, even if the more rational part of me knows it's probably not happening. Yeah, I think I agree. And that's in terms of the result, and that's the 1% of doubt you need, isn't it? Mm. Um, the rankings should exist to put somebody on a run to make you believe that they might win the title. Uh, Conti's form is in that like very unique middle ground that pro wrestling exists in where it can and should be presented like a sport because in sport it's okay sometimes for underdogs to beat like to beat the giants to beat the best teams or to beat the best players if they're on a particularly good run of form there are times where you don't want to play the bad teams because they're on such a run of form Tycon is not a bad team but she's on a great run of form and you kind of only need one three count to capitalize on that form and that's why rankings can be so effective when used properly. It helps that, like, when we talk about Conti's improvement, the two do sort of have to go hand in hand because if she's picking up wins but you're not really enjoying the matches or you're not feeling the development or the evolution of the character, then you don't really buy anything about this. If anything, the rankings start to feel fake and this title match feels forced as if they've tried to elevate somebody through the rankings rather than that person working up to the push that she's been given. This is a perfect storm of all of that. Um, I think Sidgwick's on the money in terms of like the best Sheeda matches and how we kind of arrive at the best Sheeda matches. Um, and I like as much as I do think she'll win in a lot of ways, I could kind of see them charging forward with mm. Ty Conti as women's chat. Like I can, I can so easily map out two or three months of stories or like if stories is a bit generous, proper title matches and like, you know, well-built matches with Conti that that's where the doubt comes from. I can very easily, because because of how good she's looked, because of how dominant she's looked, because of, I don't know, because of how worthy of the dynamite credits her kick in the face is. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, I can visualize her on that platform so easily. And that in itself is a real achievement. And I think they'll be able to dine out on that tonight, even though yes, hyper rational says she did to win. It seems terrible saying this because I love both women and I think it's going to be a great match. But it's like, yeah, don't really mind who wins because they're just holding that belt and keeping it warm <laughs> until Britt Baker can win it in a few months' time. But yeah, I think Hikaru Shida retains. But like you say, I will 100% be talking tomorrow about, oh, I nibbled on that near fall. So so who knows? Uh, not the only big thing, of course, happening tonight, Michael Hamflet. We also get uh, Baltimore and as an added bonus, a title <laughs> match too. Jungle Boy challenging Darby Allen. Yeah, man, like... It matters not what this 35-year-old wrestling fan thinks of Darby Allen because the numbers just do not lie. Like he's this, he's like this real demo god of AEW, yeah. isn't he? Like he kind of he draws every version of their numbers. He he represents ultimately, I guess, philosophically where AEW are at. Um and like last week's main event was sort of was a kind of thing that I hated on paper, I liked in execution, 
and I marvelled at in the aftermath. You know, Wait like, a I'm second, marvel- are we complimenting Matt Hardy here? This is the a one freaking week I was off. The one freaking week I was off, <laughs> like iconic performance. I, I enjoyed the execution of the match, but I wouldn't say like it was on like the, my top five dynamite matches list. And then I marvelled at the execute at the choice when the rating dropped. I was like, how friggin' inspired was that? You've got this known draw in Darby Allen versus a known figure in Matt Hardy. Mm. Like that cute use of, uh, I'm not saying that like the match was just dominated by like channel hoppers. Like their number wasn't dominated by channel hoppers. It was earned. But it's that thing we talk about. Oh, that's Chris Jericho. Or who's that? Hey, it's Jim Ross or whatever. Matt Hardy versus Darby Allen in this wild, chaotic scene was such an inspired choice. And I would have never, have, like that's the sort of dark arts booking that like I, I couldn't dream of coming up with as a way to try and draw a number on your first unopposed show. Really inspired. This is one, like dare I say it more for the purists, because Jungle Boy has been the project we, the regular weekly viewers, have been like told to enjoy and told to relish and told to look forward to his ascension. Um, it's Baltimore, you, you're naming it. It's Baltimore that might appeal to the, the relatively new fans that hopefully stick around for AEW this week and then they'll see what comes in that package? It's Jungle Boy. He's not going to win the belt. As much as I would love to see it, because I actually, my gut feeling is he would actually make a better TNT champion. Darby Allen, as a draw, can probably exist away from this belt. I know that reduces it to a secondary concern. Um, but I think Jungle Boy would make a champion. I just don't think it's his week. It's it's all about match quality, this. It's all about, yet again, as he did in the Dax Harwood match, mm-hmm. Jungle Boy wrestling that. Wrestling that type of match that just like keeps him undeniable while the company kind of push other people. Because he's got to have one of them about every three months. Otherwise, we'll stop talking about him. Yeah, I, just to give another nod to that road to again, I thought Jungle Boy's closing promo was, was, was magnificent in terms of attracting uh, excitement and stuff. And uh, if only, as, as Amplet said, they had some other recognised name tonight facing a new up-and-comer who people look at and go, bloody hell, what's him? Anyway, we'll see if they've got that to, to come in a bit. Uh, what do you reckon about Darby Allen versus Jungle Boy? Uh, Darby Allen's going to win. Um, but I'm fascinated by this and I'm in awe at what it's followed. Um, there's like a quiet elegance to this booking that I'm just, I just think is absolutely great. So what's happened is that Matt Hardy, by being a dick, by being a heel, by being this carny succubus, as uh, Cody Rhodes once referred to Chris Jericho as, has decided in storylines, he knows what he's doing. He's going to attack Darby Allen. He's going to focus on Darby Allen. He's going to draw a title match out of Darby Allen when it's not earned. Darby Allen being the baby face, being the, the hero figure, if you like, defeats Matt Hardy handily. Darby Allen, in just the sort of stunning, subtle contrast at which AEW excels, has decided to do the complete opposite of what Matt Hardy done. Decided to be a defending champion and put it out on Twitter. Look, there's a top five ranking here. I want to face the best. I want to do it in the open. I want people to prepare for it. I want it to be a meritocracy. Tony Khan, pick one of your five. They get a perfect use of the ranking system perfect embodiment of a babyface ideal that results in this match that it's going to be quite fascinating to watch in terms of the dynamic because these are the two like rake thin youthful incredible babyface workers um against each other how do they do they do a face versus face match does darby allen like dwarf in terms of improvement in terms of how much of a star he feels compared to Jungle Boy? Does he play at heel? I just can't wait for it. It'll be an absolute crack of a match. It'll be like really fast-paced, back and forth. The selling should be great. 
it's everything except the result. I'm completely on the hook for, and I think everything else will probably matter more on the night. I'm just fascinated by this. Love the way it's been booked. Um, and it's, I think Darby Allen should play it heel here. There's something about Darby Allen's work that I would put him in the top five in the world at his best. I was watching that Matt Hardy match, and God damn it, Darby Allen's got such an awesome way of making it feel like he hates everyone he's in the ring with, that he's in a fight with everyone he's in the ring with. Like Ricky Starks, he's done it with. Brian Cage, he's done it with. Matt Hardy, he's done it with. He's probably going to have to play it heel to get that out of Jungle Boy. I'm 10 times over fascinated by all of this. Is there any way that they spin out of this with the trios match between Jurassic Express, uh, Darby Allen Sting, and Lance Archer? <laughs> and I mean, it, affords, it affords a Lance Archer Luchasaurus face off. It allows for this, this thing of like, can they trust Lance Archer just because Sting's gotten through to him? Like, at what point does he die? Because everybody dies. Like, could they play with attention that and book this just insane flex of a trios match as a television like main event? Sting on television, but completely protected in a quality character-driven six-man. It's a possibility, Will. That's what it is. I've got no idea. My personal feeling is that you don't put Jungle Boy and Sting on opposite sides of the ring. Hmm. That's my personal feeling, but it's they could do it. Uh, Darby Allen retains for usage? Yes, undoubtedly. I'm going to be less on the hook, but it's one of those where the storyline quality is going to get me on the hook for Conti versus Sheeta, the sheer match quality here. I don't think, I think if it delivers, over delivers, Conti versus Sheeta could be awesome. But this is like almost virtually assured to be awesome. So the match quality is going to get me on the hook more than anything else. That main event in? I'm just trying to work out the order of this show. Maybe open with Paige Starks. You're open with Paige Starks and Darby Allen's your draw. So yeah, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Um, hi, Christine Cage. Welcome back. Uh, glad, glad the neck's okay. Uh, seven years. Anyway, uh, his powerhouse Hobbs. Uh, good luck with that, mate. Uh, what do you reckon with that tonight, Sid? So excited for this. He looks like an absolute monster on that road to powerhouse Hobbs. I could not have goddamn loved that segment last week more than I did. Jesus, Christian was funny. Like, not just Cranky Frankie, which was like, oh, that's mildly amusing. Feels like he's just um, playing some scale exercises on a guitar to rediscover his funny bone, which was just completely fractured during 2020 in WWE when he was like filmed in his home before the Edge stuff. So it's like, Jesus Christ, fun Bobby. Christian was actually funny. He was actually Christian. I want to say Christian versus Taz as much as anything else. Like, that <laughs> promo exchange was just fire. So I couldn't Shit have. <laughs> Beg, 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 beg. Other money. Yeah, another money. <laughs> I know the money. I want the source of this money, these funds. Absolutely. Just, I loved every single bit of it. And it's just that I, he recruited the guy all week. And the second he said no, <laughs> so I know you don't think that, obviously. Just immaculate pattern all round. So I love that. Christian's funny, right? This is a great storyline because. It's going to probably hopefully arrive at Christian versus Ricky Starks. That's the match, I think. And in terms of, so you've got the entertainment value out of Christian, not just, oh, yeah, he's going to be good for the boys. You know, you'll get them coming along. Great. I want a coach. I want a wrestler. I'm getting the wrestler and the coach in this match. I talked before about Ikaro Shida working Britt Baker in the match, and it felt like Baker had improved simply by working it. At its best, you're probably going to get that out of Powerhouse Hobbs versus Christian. Powerhouse Hobbs, 
will need to learn how to do more than these awesome spots and this awesome attitude that he carries to be able to construct a match against a smaller baby face and destroy him. There's no one better in that company in terms of his experience and all the rest of it than Christian Cage. We were quite down on the whole idea of, yeah, yeah, he's going to give people an education. That's good, and we'll see the benefits of it in however many years. And you're going to see the benefits of it on this week's Dynamite. It's the perfect curriculum manifested in a wrestling match. This can't wait. Christian Cage, like, is smart enough. He's going to sell his head, and it's going to be a little bit scary. Mm. That goddamn spot where he just trucked him last week. You're going to see that in the match, leading to a great near fall. Slow burn. Idiots are going to say, oh, <laughs> Powerhouse Hobbs is there massive. How, how's he gonna? How's he gonna beat? How's Christian gonna beat him? Well, idiots. The thing you loved became a thing you loved because of something called WrestleMania three. So don't give me that bollocks on Thursday morning, right? Just don't. This will be great. Then you know what they're also gonna say. Oh, I see. Uh, legends burying young talent, not like just elevating them and putting on great <laughs> matches and teaching them so much. Anyway, Hamlet, your thoughts? Yeah, just impeccable booking. I was like. I don't want to say I was crying or anything, but I was just so emotionally invested and thrilled at this, just the, the very state of this angle when I could see it coming together, when I could see Taz trying to buddy up with Christian and we knew we were going to get a version of him running the team Taz Gauntlet and every single combination was better than the last. And this is it. This is how you master that that Christian Cage, uh, great player coach figure. Like, we'll just make the teachable moments entertaining. That This is how you do it. And in team Taz... Um, Powerhouse Hobbs is the... Like, what I want after Christian Cage has ran through Team Taz, I want him to run through the night, my factory, and do it all over again. <laughs> because you use the the angles that you set up to make the most of this hidden coach, the guy that the guy that teaches the art of all this. I love it, man. I just love this so much. Um, yeah, Christian's head's going to get absolutely battered by... It's going to, like... Hobbs is going to look frightening because his offence is supposed to, and Christian's going to be perfect for selling that. What's sometimes neglected when big guys fight Christian is that um, because like, he's got a funny frame, Christian, he sometimes looks like the stick man from the children's book. If you've read that, um, he can he looks quite bony and he can be ragged, like ragdolled a little bit. Mm. And Hobbs is going to do that too. And like, there's a, there's something great about applying frailty to not an old man. Christian is not an old man, but he's an elder statesman of pro wrestling on this roster. And I think they're going to, draw tremendous sympathy from powerhouse Hobbs is like, like almost cruel power game before Christian outthinks him because he's done this longer. And that's how this is all supposed to work. And when powerhouse Hobbs one day beats a guy, the subtext will be, well, he learned a lot from wrestling Christian. He's learned like some of the skills that you can't see. And ah, just, I love that so much. Like I really, really love this. And I love that it's already implied that it's Christian cage versus Brian Cage, and they're going to make jokes about that, aren't they? That maybe maybe Brian's closer to Christian than the rest of Team Taz. You know, it's not just a surname. And then there's going to be Christian Cage versus Enrique Starks. And like, I, I could not love this more. Yeah, uh, Cage did a great face when he faced Kaz. I think they'd come off the top. or well, some big move had been hit. And he did a face like, oh, bloody hell, I'm not sure it was a good idea. <laughs> yeah. And then he's facing bloody powerhouse Hobbs. He's going to do a similar face. And then when he looks like he's going to get that truck move, He's going to do the drop step, which is which Christian is absolutely amazing at. Um, yeah, just can't wait for this. I'm booking it in my head. 
Uh, from one member of Team Taz to another, Ricky Starks facing Hangman Page. Uh, last week, Hamlet, we got a half-hour opener. I'd be happy to have this go half an hour as well. Yeah, I, I don't think we'll be quite as lucky, but we'll, I'm sure we'll all relish what we're going to get. I mean, how can this not bang? Genuinely, how can this not bang? Hangman Page is the virtual master of television wrestling, and I love that, considering his background and many of the criticisms levied at the elite in particular about how AEW could possibly function as a weekly show. He's the master of this. Um, Ricky Starks has been on ice to such a degree that virtually everything he does is going to be thrilling. I can't speak to matches that he may or may not have had on dark or dark elevation. Um, but I have missed the snap that he adds to everything, like as this young, cocky heel all the comparisons to The Rock were justified. And imagine just anyone with justified comparisons to The Rock. He's got them. He's always had them. Um, he's It's proper, earnest, babyface heel divide stuff. You've got one guy in Hangman Page, this, like, this figure that isn't lonely but still feels isolated versus a guy surrounded by thugs. You know, like, is, are we going to see interactions between John Silver and Hook? Oh, and not just and not just for pirate gags, just for how awesome the physicals would look. Like I, I just again, I'm salivating at the prospect of just seeing these two come face to face. Let alone the stuff that's going to spin off off the back of it. Ricky Starks is going to be flipped inside out, like by the bookshot lariat, and you're just going to think, well, I've never seen that sold as well because Starks has got that in him. You know, he's got that athletic side that he he shouldn't flex as much as a heel, um, but he's just an athlete, so he can. It's just. This is unbelievable. Like, I, I feel like we'd like. I don't want this to sound like hyperbole. I cannot believe they've. I can, but I cannot believe they've assembled a card as good as this all on one show, and two weeks before their big show in theory. Yeah, and uh, and uh, that's that's the joy that's on the horizon. I don't know what double or nothing looks like. All I know is that it has to look awesome because they're not doing blood and guts on it. Mm. I mean, it's just. Incredible stuff after incredible stuff in this promotion at the moment. And um, this match is going to be absolutely awesome because Hangman Page, as Hamlet points out, right, is so great that I've watched him work just awesome TV bangers against performers who aren't necessarily on the level of a Ricky Starks. Like, Hangman Page, his explosions are so fantastic. And his individual performance level in 2021 is so ungoddamn believable that it's almost incidental who his opponent is and what the story of the given match is because he's just in that mode where everything he does is elevated. The idea of Ricky Starks with his technical mastery and his just total charisma controlling those explosions and then failing to and then Hangman Page coming back is going to be absolutely gripping and it's going to be incredible. Like if this is not at the four star level, it'll be a complete disappointment. Like that uh, hopes are very, very, very high for this. And what I love about it as well is that there's been a bit of a cheeky bastard, glorified dark quality to this quite sudden hangman pages number one contender thing. Um, in that the caliber of opposition, like Benoni and Caster, they are, talented to different degrees, but they're not established as actual scalps at all on AEW Dynamite. So I've been thinking, yeah, the thing about the win-loss records is that it's completely worked. They're not fixtures. They'll just beep, 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 guy, 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 five, five, five minutes on dark. And then, whoa, I see you were sitting in the stands and one contenders. What? <laughs> this match not only gives you a Ricky Stark singles match, not only gives you one of the best Ricky Stark singles matches, but they know that Ricky Stark's and I know he's got a record on Dark Elevation, 
but they know he's so over and so respected that this win, when it happens, Hammond Page is probably going to win. This is going to substantiate all the sort of weird commentary calls. Well, Hammond Page is number one contender. It's like, I can kind of out knowing. I don't know if I believe it. This match is going to make you believe. It's going to be awesome. It's going to elevate Ricky Starks. It's going to give you Ricky Starks full stop. Perfection. Like, I don't think that's hyperbole. It's perfection of a TV match, this. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f? Are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear and t-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. We mentioned uh, Blood and Guts two weeks away uh, as of today. And as a build to that, Sage, we've got Jim Ross sitting down with the pinnacle. We've got Tony Schiavone chatting to the inner circle. Um, MJF's hyping this on social media, of course. Uh, how do you see these two things playing out? And, and I know you alluded to in our chat before we did this that they're, they're going to obviously have some sort of back and forth to them in terms of the two groups. This is where I put my generous slash biased slash whatever hat you want to put on. I understand the complaints about recent developments in the storyline. Um, I understand why this storyline has kind of felt one-sided when it probably shouldn't when there's a heel group to establish. That is the desperate inclusion of Mike Tyson being folded into it. They are going to get this right. They are going to get this right. As much as it's Tyson, right? And yeah, the pinnacle probably should have been established. Their threat should have been registered better than it has so far. This is where I just think, who cares? They're going to get it right. They're going to get it right. You can't look at the last six months of the MGF Chris Jericho thing and think they don't have an idea for how to peak this head of blood and guts. Um, so yeah, it might be a generous take. Maybe the play should have been to reheat the pinnacle with some kind of, oh, they get the upper hand of brawl just to wash away that, right, we we'll had to do some stuff with Tyson. He's not going to show us. It's Mike Tyson. Maybe that would have felt desperate if they'd just done it this week, hence why the sit-down interviews is probably a better route to go. But say these are just two sit-down interviews that go by without incident, and they happen to be conducted by two of the best promos in the goddamn game right now. That would be good enough in itself. as like a, a subtle sell before we get back to the physical brawls and action that maybe would suffer diminished returns if they did them every single week. But if you look at the storyline they've been telling, total one-upmanship every step of the way, in a circle interview goes first. It's good. It's entertaining. It's an interview. No, um, Pinnacle one goes first. And it's great. And maybe there's a hint 
of something to come. And then the inner circle one doesn't even get started because the pinnacle of outsmarted them, found where they are, and then gone to get them. There's several routes they can take. All of them are going to be brilliant. Relax. All will be fine in the end. There's no way this isn't going to be on the week of blood and guts. You're going to be desperate to see this match. Like desperate. I've got no doubts about that whatsoever. Yeah, I think I've been one of the ones that's been a bit critical of this build. It's, you know, it's less about it's less about the build of blood and guts. It's the build of the pinnacle. I'm actually separating the two. I've got I've got such absolute faith about the quality of the eventual blood and guts match, and to a lesser extent the anticipation for that. I think in the seven days leading up to that match, people won't be able to wait for it because it's such a new thing. And it's not just this match, is it? it's blood and guts as a stipulation. We've sat on this for 12 months. If anything, there's almost a kind of bookending pandemic feeling about it. Oh God, look what we lost. Oh God, look what we're getting back. It's been like pubs opening back up or getting your hair cut. Or like I think that hangs over blood and guts and that's so lovely as well. It's the pinnacle itself. I think they've been like, like not overshadowed by the inner circle or the build of blood and guts. They've just not been bigged up themselves. I think you could have easily had a, a segment where the pinnacle beat up other people, you know, like to avoid there being too much physicality between the two sides. Like they were so nasty and so awful upon formation. And that was like a celebration of MJF's smarts and cunning and all that sort of stuff. And then they've been, they've not just been like out thought, they've been out thought as well. And I would have liked to have seen, I think your pitch is perfect because I do think they need their intelligence needs to be re-established as well mm. as their physical dominance. You can just flick a switch and make Wardlow hard as nails in a bloody cage. Like you can't like wrestling's a gift in that regard. Look, he's massive and he's gonna like take the bobble out of his hair and flex. And you're gonna be like, yep, I completely believe this absolute like arse handing that Chris Jericho's about to get. But I wanna see them as the the way they came together, which is MJF's mind and all that, like Tully Blanchard's wisdom. And I'm, like, I need to see that shown again, because a little bit of this so far for the pinnacle for me has been Tully Blanchard giving Sean Spears the glove. That one amazing promo that Tully cut and this this thing that suddenly made you buy into Sean Spears because his glove almost had like magical powers, mythical powers, I guess. Um, and then it was just like, oh, there's that good hand Tully Cody told us about again. <laughs> like, I, I, like Chris Jericho's amazing line. I heard about your upside, never seen it. Like... It's feeling a little bit like that about the pinnacle. Like you showed me your upside on night one. I haven't seen it since. So something like that, that beatdown would be more than just a beatdown and more than just the violence. It would be them reestablishing themselves as like, like MJF's got to be the smartest guy in the room again because it turns out he was for like eight months. And then what? Like he's revealed his plan and then he's been like a bit thick for three weeks or he's not really thought things through. For, I, I, I just like to receive them as the stable I want to receive them as not as the, the kind of blundering heels for the pinnacle. Tyson's been... Tyson's probably been in, like, I don't mean underrated in the critical sense. I mean, just like, probably enough people haven't mentioned how detrimental Tyson has been to the storyline, whilst almost certainly helping inflating their ratings. They've kind of, they've made that choice, perhaps, to get the publicity and to get the numbers, possibly at the slight expense of the angle. That's what I believe, and now that he's out of the picture, mm. normal service will resume and it will begin tonight. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I think it, it didn't really give him time to breathe. That it? it was like establish them, you know, big moment with the inner circle, turn on them, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Then it was the next week the trios match, and then it was the week after that the inner circle came back. Basically, yeah. well, it certainly felt very expedited. The sort of like right here's the pinnacle, and the inner circle are back now, and it's and, you know, like you say, it makes sense. But tonight's night, yeah, you need to really reestablish the pinnacle uh, by having MJF. Yeah, considering the the excellent promo that that Jericho cut last week MJF needs to respond and we have no doubt obviously that he will 
I don't know. I'm trying to work out how they work out where the inner circle are. Because the inner circle, it would be stupid to have the inner circle say, well, let's have Tony Schiavone in our, you know, back room because everyone knows where that is. And, it, and, and in terms of like, you know, it, you, why wouldn't you have any security as much as you're like, yeah, bring the fight when you want. There's a bit of me that's like, it's, it's probably a bit crap, but you, when Hamlet was talking there, I was thinking like, rather than like MJF being necessarily the smartest guy in the room or, you know, members of the pinnacle being the smartest, the word cunning popped into my head. And I was, I thought then like, maybe it's something that it's sort of accidental that they that they get discovered in terms of the fact like Tony Schiavone is such a nice guy. He's got, he's tried to make friends with everyone on the roster. And MGF's got like, find my friends on his phone. He's like, oh, they're there. Right. That's where they are. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever. But who knows? I'm sure they'll do book it a lot better than what I'm suggesting. Sid. Do the pinnacle stuff on a jet. Oh, <laughs> that's what they should do. Yeah. I like I've, that. The, I've told, I've put over before the turf element, like the fact that there's turf, making use of this one environment you have. Wonderful. Maybe that'll come into play. <laughs> But I would do the pinnacle promo on that goddamn jet. Like make them look like they're young, rich, or like veteran rich, just rich, arsehole heels. And now the inner circle of baby faces, they can get Tony Schiavone his own little black leather jacket as well. They'd look good in it. Um, yeah. I can't believe the cheeky bastards have done this, Michael Hamflet. Uh, no offense to the two guys we're about to talk about. But I think it's fair to say for all of us, six months ago, if we'd have said tonight it's QT Marshall versus Billy Gunn, it would have been the the sort of partridge shrug sort of thing. And like I said, there's the there's obviously the video that's uh, that's doing the rounds on social media today. Is sort of I love it. The little music soundtrack. If you haven't seen it, go and check it out. It's on Twitter uh, on AW's Twitter, and as I said on Andy Murray's Twitter. Um, but also just this whole developing story with uh the, the nightmare factory or the nightmare family and the nightmare fa- and the factory apologies there bollocks that up uh, but yeah qt marshall versus billy gunn i'm really excited for this pamphlet oh i can't wait man um stables are great hot take um because you get matches like this in television that mean more than they would otherwise they mean so much more than that match that you've just pitched from eight months ago where like qt marshall versus billy gunn are you kidding me <laughs> like all all of a sudden it's totally different because qt marshall is going to be completely overwhelmed by Billy Gunn, who in outside of the confines of WWE is 12 foot tall. And I love that about Billy. I love that about Billy Gunn. Like anywhere else he works other than WWE, and he's the biggest, he's like the big show. Like they need to sign the actual Paul White. So like Keaty Marshall, like visually, will just not stand a chance against Billy Gunn. But he's like galvanized these little fucking rats in his factory to help him. And Billy Gunn will try to be the babyface. I'm aware he's got the gun club and Dustin will be watching and all that sort of stuff. And I, I do expect it to be an element of um, the kind of the group brawl at ringside or the people slapping the canvas, ultimately things getting out of hand. Like AEW have leaned on that a little bit too much lately. So I, I don't mind if there isn't, but I can just foresee it in this particular angle because I think it needs bells and whistles. This is the one that needs bells and whistles more than others. So if you're going to do it, do it here. Um, I'm... I'm not terribly invested in what I imagine will be QT Marshall getting the win over Billy Gunn. I'm just hugely invested in the angle. I'm massively invested in Anthony Agogo and his awesome finish. Anyone that disagrees is wrong. I'm like a total believer in QT Marshall's motivations for everything. Um, it's so good so quickly that it's almost, it's not, it's not just made up for Cody's unfocused start to 2021. It's almost given you, I think this is probably generous, but it's almost given you a narrative reason for it. 
It's almost made you think, look at this guy that can't decide what he's doing from one week to the next. No wonder Cutie Marshall's pissed off. Like, no wonder he's re- like, he, he feels neglected. Some of his trainees feel neglected. No wonder he's had no bother getting in their ear to, to turn on the guy that was supposedly their mentor. I just love the bigger picture more than I love anything particularly specific here. Don't expect loads from the match, but have plenty of faith that the, the angle development will be great. Before I get your thoughts on the match, Sid, I'd also like to get your thoughts on the the Anthony Agogo thing. We heaped praise on on that match and the and the way they did it, especially with the the contrasting, you know, Tyson and Agogo and stuff, and obviously their boxing history there. But it's quite divisive. I saw the reaction online. What do you think? Right, here's the thing. I'm not going to completely go one sided on it in defence of it. Maybe the argument was more nuanced than the idiot who unleashed the take conveyed maybe they thought it's fine in itself but if you look at all sorts of excessive destroyers and head bumps and all the rest of it maybe it doesn't work it sits uneasily alongside all of that other stuff right i don't care he's an olympic boxer like he's an (laughs) olympic goddamn boxer um here's the thing it's much better than a knockout to the face and the reason why that is is because in pro wrestling and the point of this is lost on lots of people, including the idea to believe this take. The point is, theoretically, to wind your opponent long enough to subdue them for a three count. Is there a better way of accomplishing that than having an Olympic caliber medalist boxer punching you in the gut? No. It's an awesome finish. No, it's not just, oh, it's a weird boxing finish when so much of wrestling is, um, you know, head drops and like 20 minute matches and head trauma. It's not just a boxer doing a finish in a wrestling ring. It's a boxer doing a finish. That makes sense in the context of pro wrestling. I could not love it more. And uh, we didn't mention this at the time, but I just thought of it as you were talking about it there. I think it's even more relatable for the audience because I've never been, and this isn't an open invitation by the way, but I've never been knocked out by, by anyone or anything, thankfully. But I've been winded. We all know what the experience of being winded feels like. Where you you can't. There's no air going, and you're like, "Well, this is me. This is how I die." And like, like in terms of like you say, in terms of of relatable experiences, like I I I was baffled when I saw people saying, "Dumb finish." I was like, "What?" If any mutants have made it this far, right? I was already on the edge because you'll enjoy the story because um, it's an embarrassing story of mine. I was already on the edge of quitting my Sunday football club at like 15, 16. I just, I just wanted to go and play Super Mario 64 and listen to Metallica. <laughs> be a lazy bastard. I don't want to play football anymore. What position do you play? I was a striker variously. I used to have pace and play on the wing. But in my latter years in the five-a-side circuit, my ability to wait a pass and my vision to pick one out, I always played the uh, deep-lying playmaker role. Oh, nice. I can see that. A sumptuous pass for the ball. Sorry, I interrupted your story. Anyway, so <laughs> I think the coaches could see it, right? And like Bill Michael Sidgwick, Michael Sidgwick declares for the European Super League. <laughs> <laughs> Bill DeMott, this bloody coach that I had, like you could probably sense that I was just slacking and couldn't be asked anymore. So he was playing one of the training games, and I was like defending a throw, and I was like, I can't be asked for this. Grown man prick did a throw and then threw the ball in my gut. What? Awesome. I was like, well, I'm obviously going to quit now. I think I was just this way. <laughs> he wants to quit. I'll. Anyway, bless him. He like, you rang us up. So was it because of me? I shouldn't have done that, should I? I was just trying to do a joke. 
I let him off the hook because I'm a nice guy. And I went, no, because your training methods are absolutely terrible. It was nothing to do with the thing. Just Did he ask like, you, will you stay or will you a go-go? Basically, I was Ben Arthur. He was Alan Pardew. <laughs> In terms of this, can't coach a maverick. You have to be careful. Um, <laughs> he was the 10, one of the three positions I didn't play. But anyway, 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 this match, I wanted to be kept short. I My abiding memory of Billy Gunn on Dynamite, I think it was a match he had with MGF. It was like, oh, it's been three minutes too long, this. I want this to be four minutes. I want QT Marshall to play the rat that he is, begging off, getting overwhelmed, finally ekes out an advantage, fires Billy Gunn into the ropes, a go-go, punches him in the stomach mm. from the outside as he's on the ropes. Billy Gunn crumples in agony. I want all of this to be on a go-go, getting him over, because mm. he just is a star, you can tell. QT Marshall hits his finish, beats him. The rats descend on the ring, beat up, melee ensues. And uh, Wilborn, I've got your clickbait covered here. Could Cody Rhodes return to Dynamite this week? Because I think this is all stage setting for that return. He's been gone a while and I love Cody, but he's probably thinking, right, okay, when is the tape show? Yeah, yeah, a week later, a week later. One of the fans, <laughs> boom, that's what I'm doing it. Um, we were promised, I don't want to talk about the other shows again, we were promised a first time ever match on Monday Night Raw, which we didn't get, Randy Orton versus Braun Strowman. This one is, for the second time ever, 73 weeks later, as AW have pointed out, Trent versus Penta. Not bad, is it, to hoy this on? Sige? No, not bad at all. Trent is an underrated lunatic. Penta... Drops you on your heat for fun. I think on a totally stacked show, these two, given the makeup that I can sort of judge from afar of their personalities, just going to like do some mad stuff for nine minutes and it's going to be like, oh Christ, I can't believe this is as good as everything else on the show. I think this will be a really surprise. Two great workers. It feels like I'm dying up with faint praise to get people to think, well, you know, it's probably going to be better than you think. Um, but yeah, I just think this will totally bang in a way that people aren't possibly prepared for. Um, it all functions to build this trios match, which I would do on the Blood and Guts undercard. We'll get into this at probably a later point on the podcasts, but if they don't book Phoenix, knowing what you can do with ropes on a show on which there are two rings, then Tony Khan needs his promoter of the year, Booker of the Year awards revoked. Surely you have to do that match. And if they're not doing it at double or nothing, they can at least do Phoenix versus Cassidy again on the Blood and Guts undercard for some rope stuff, which I really <laughs> need to see. So this match will bang. I like that it's a bit functional in terms of, right, one match before the tag, before the three. At some point, I would like Pac to cut a promo on why he hates the best friends because I think Pac would be particularly good at savaging them. Because I like best friends, but I can understand why people think they're a little bit too frivolous. At some point after this match, which will be very good, I want Pac to really articulate what it is about best friends that makes them all Pac. The match graphic as well, if I'm not mistaken, featured like Orange Cassidy and Alex the Interpreter as, yes. kind of, as, as the seconds for the two. I mean, that's rife for some interaction, isn't it? Like the guy that barely says a word, like frustrating the living hell out of the guy that's paid to listen to the word, every word of his charge. Like he's getting over, this is a meritocracy. 
So he's getting over brilliantly as like Penta's second, as an old-fashioned, you know, I know they say interpreter, but he's effectively playing the role of an old-fashioned heel manager at this point. Uh, a great promo with it. Um, I don't know the future of uh, Penta and Phoenix specifically, Death Triangle, I guess. Um, but I'm going to remain on my campaign for them to split because I think this Penta act as a heel, like even just like pitching, this match is going to be great. Of course, it's going to be great. But it's going to be great in that very... 2019 dynamite way where we were still just like so excited about the potential of the various combinations of this roster that, that assembled um at this point like i'm still a little bit bruised by the penta and cody match and i'd like to see them like go forth with penta as a violent heel and yeah like trent's willingness to commit to that i think like long term i want to see penta and phoenix split so the trios match might be a great way to do that. It's maybe the perfect chance to see Phoenix do Phoenix things for them to lose to best friends who are kind of kind of quietly building a bit of momentum worthy of a tag title shot, perhaps after winning Arcade Anarchy. Um, and then you split them off because this Penta and Alex, the interpreter act is re- like really strong mid-card heel stuff that could buy you the odd, could maybe buy you the odd world title match on television. Against yeah, like, but- if this was the John Moxley run, you'd be you'd be pitching this Penta act as oh, one of his TV yeah. challenges. You know, well, yeah. like... So I kind of want that for Penta long-term, but you can definitely do the trios match first before that split. Speaking of Moxley, uh, there's a there's a pr- uh, preview, I think, on YouTube I was watching last night regarding him talking about Nick Gage and, uh, yeah, him using a pizza cut on his head. Uh, go and check that out if you've got a chance. But, and don't hate me for this, and I know it's convoluted, Sige, but I would love pre-match for this, for them to just have a, a thing where they come together, you know, one of them's getting interviewed and the other one walks in. But to just to to, to use what Hamlet was talking about there, Trent's getting interviewed, Penta walks in, Penta shouts at him, Alex goes to explain what what uh, what Penta's just said, and Orange Cassidy says, oh, no, I understood all that, and just explains it to Trent. Yeah. <laughs> just simple stuff like that. Like for a, I, I'm really excited about this. And like you say, both of you... Uh, this is another step on a, on a on a great road that we're heading to. Uh, one final thing to talk about, Sige. Uh, last week, me and Hamlet did our. We don't really. I don't want to get you know range predictions too much, but we predicted last week. I said eight eight eight. Hamlet said nine hundred. One point <laughs> two, two <laughs> million uh, viewers last week. Point four four in the demos. Um, we sort of spoke about this earlier on in the week, Sige. And I kind of know the answer to this, and it is not the be-all and end-all, certainly for for AEW uh, or even for AEW fans. But what do you reckon? Can AEW maintain this this monster rating of theirs, or, or what, what? How do you see this playing out? Because I know you've talked about the fact that it may even that rating may even be blown out of the water by by blood and guts in a fortnight. Blood and guts is the one. Blood and guts, they'll get at least one point two. I'm going to hang my neck out on that. I think this is going to suffer a pretty sharp decline, and will maybe get concerned not so much as we had been in like March because we know blood and guts is on the horizon, but it's just that inexplicable feeling of come on, watch this card, not just this show, but this actual card rewarded. Come on. It deserves it. And when it won't, it'll probably get a bit upsetting again. I've taught of the analogy I use is a Chevron pattern. And I think we'll get that. And I think we're going to the lower edge of it. I think they're going to lose 250, thousand viewers here and i think people are going to laugh dickheads are going to laugh like people who want this company succeed because if not aew who's going to challenge it like wwe like no one um i think it'll go go down to like 950 people will panic it'll feel a bit like come on what's going to happen but if you look at the parallels like i think the chevron's going to continue until the pandemic 
finishes. Only when you get proper wrestling back does anything stand a chance of like really growing, if indeed that's at all possible in this fractured cultural media landscape. But I think we'll drop 250 on the precedent of they did 1.4 on the debut. And for whatever reason, people just thought, ah, not for me, this. Not for me, it's not WWE or... Uh, maybe I didn't re- miss wrestling as much as I thought. Maybe they just thought, oh, that's not very good, as is their right. So I think there'll be people who watched it on a pool thinking, oh, Christ, well, I'll get the chance to check this out again now. And I think about 250,000 might just think that enough for me. Maybe that blood and guts looks good, but not as a regular thing. And I think they're idiots with no taste, but I just think that's what's going to happen. I mean, as well, there was probably some 85-year-olds last week that didn't realise until halfway through it wasn't NXT. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, they'll, they'll obviously have to find something else to watch this week instead. Um, yeah, I don't think it's like, I don't even think it's like, and I don't, I'm not suggesting that you, you're saying this, subject. it's not doomsday to even suggest that kind of number, is it? It's like, you, you've got to be pragmatic at the moment. The 500 it's... originally. They probably wanted that yeah. at the start and then a slow climb. They've smashed what TNT wanted. That's ultimately all that matters as long as it continues for now during the pandemic anyway. Well, this is it. I think for all that, like, everyone's seen various different finish lines, thankfully, but this is still the pandemic. And AEW booked themselves marvellously through the bulk of a pandemic in 2020. Absolutely fantastically so, like as a weekly show, that we can still, even without NXT as a rival, we can still judge this week on week and try and look for like overarching trends, which is if they've hit 1.2 now and they do drop to 900, as Cedric points out, it doesn't mean they're not going to get to 1.2 again. It doesn't mean they're not going to get beyond that. We, What we haven't learned yet about AEW, and I, th- I think when we did a podcast about the end of the wars, Will Bourne, I mentioned that it was going to take maybe two months before like proper ceilings and proper baselines. Like the war has robbed us of that because even on those bonus weeks, your Saturday Dynamite or your Tuesday next season, whatever, they're bonus weeks. So you, you can't, you almost can't count them. Like we need two or three months to learn what about ceilings and baselines. And that's like, that's where we can start making like judgments on what that 900,000, let's say, might actually mean. If we learn that to be a ceiling, there's a problem. Well, maybe there's not, because maybe TNT are happy with 400,000 more viewers than they imagined. But do you know what I mean? Perception-wise, maybe there's a problem that they, they can't like hit those heights of 1.2, 1.4 million. But I think we're months off knowing that. Yeah, absolutely months. And then, you know, that should that should fall quite nicely in line with crowds returning, which That's will benefit good. all of it. Sitch says 950, you know, we're not going to keep track of this as religiously as we did, but what would you say, pamphlet, for this week? Um, I'll I'll go 1 million and like 18,000 because I've really pissed, that'll really piss some arseholes off because they've (laughs) they've decided that the million is this arbitrary goal. Like they've set a goal and then bollock AW when they don't achieve their goal. So if if they get that like extra bonus 18,000, they've got like less to swing for, so I quite like that. Yeah, I really hope because uh, I was saying this before I was ranting to the boys. Bloody Raw can hit 1.9 and Dynamite can hit another million. I'm, I'm not saying they have to, but I'd be upset if they don't. But uh, like you say, this is <laughs> in the words of I can't remember who said this it's a marathon, not a sprint. Um, <laughs> this all plays out for the AW Dynamite, but a great show to look forward to tonight. Let us know your thoughts on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Watch they can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamlet at Michael Hamlet. You can follow Michael Sidgwick at um, Sidgwick. 
You can follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE, and make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling, uh, where you can listen to our review of a uh, of NXT uh, right now, and our <laughs> review of AW Dynamite will be available, of course, tomorrow. But this has been the AW Dynamite preview. My thanks to the Dadly Boys. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.